0: I was told since we have um, service in the park, that means I get to preach for like two hours today. So I hope we're ready. Lunch will be served during intermission, and then we'll come back. Sound good? All right, all right. Uh, we are actually in the middle of, of this, uh, this series, uh, the Summer in the Psalms. And this psalm that we're going to talk about today, the psalm that we're diving into today, is probably one that most of us, if not all of us, possibly have heard before. And so before we dive into it, I I want to ask maybe a simple question, maybe for some of us, bring us back to a moment where we can identify with being lost. Have you guys ever taken a road trip, and on the road trip, you felt lost? And maybe you're like me, and you refuse to, To ask for directions, you're too—you're too stubborn to ask for directions. You're too stubborn to actually pull over and try to figure it out. Instead, you're just going to keep moving forward. Can you remember a time, though, way back for maybe us adults before GPS? Anybody remember those days? How many of us remember the days of a lovely website called MapQuest? And you had to print out the directions, right? I remember these trips. And if you were, if you were the co-pilot, if you were in the passenger seat, it was your job to have the directions and to tell of the upcoming turns and highways and changes that you had to make. You remember that? And without fail, there was always that one time that the co-pilot Maybe forgot to say, hey, there's a turn coming up. Or maybe forgot to tell of the new highway coming up they had to get on. And then in Michigan, we don't say, hey, you missed your turn. We ask the question, dude, where are you going? Right? It's that moment where we don't say, hey, you missed it. It's, where are you going? And, and for me, I always was the one trying to help navigate. Probably because I believe that I had the best navigation skills in my family Guilty. It's probably true though. it's okay. But there's this moment where I remember trying to navigate in multiple times where I would maybe read the wrong direction, the wrong step. And ultimately we would feel lost. But now this lovely thing called GPS has taken over. You plug in the address and you hit go, and it basically announces exactly what you need to do when you need to do it. And then when you make a mistake, It doesn't yell at you. It just says, oh, don't worry, rerouting. We'll get there. But here's what's so interesting to me is as I start to think about this, there comes a moment for us in our lives where if you start to think about what is guiding you in your life, have we replaced our ultimate guide in our life with the things of this world? That's my question today is what guides you in life? What guides you in life? You see, as we dig into Psalm 23 today, many times in Scripture, we are referred to as sheep. Multiple times. Jesus talks about how he is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. The lost people are his sheep who follow God. And there's even the parable, right, where this, the, the shepherd goes and leaves the 99 to find the one. Multiple times in Scripture, we are referenced as sheep. But here's what's interesting. I didn't grow up on a farm. Very clearly you can tell that. But what's interesting is if you actually start to look at and study sheep, it's very interesting to understand that sheep are really only good for one thing. And that is they're really good at being dependent upon the shepherd. And that's about it. Sheep are actually not very intelligent. Uh, They don't they don't do many things well. They're not the bravest. If there was an attack, they don't quite understand. They're not the smartest of what's happening, so they don't quite understand everything that's going on. Sheep are not very good at doing many things besides just depending on the shepherd. There's actually multiple stories that when you, when I was studying this text, there's multiple stories where they would talk about what sheep would do back in those days and why it says like the shepherd has to lead them to pastures and lead them to water it's not just like oh hey there's a crick right here go on and take a drink the sheep would actually see the water and start to just walk directly into it and not stop they're not the brightest animal and there's multiple times in studying this where they would say that sheep actually would go into the water And because of their wool, would get so weighed down that they would just sink to the bottom. So the shepherd, when he leads them to a stream, when he leads them to water, it's not just leading them to it, he's actually showing them when to stop and how to drink it as well. And it's very intriguing because as we read this text, we're going to kind of go bit by bit by bit. When we read this text, we have to understand the importance of the shepherd when it comes to the sheep. Sound good? So David the author of Psalms most more than likely most theologians and scholars believe that David would have wrote this psalm possibly when he was a late teen early 20ish and he's reflecting on his time being a shepherd boy. And if we remember this David wrote this psalm if he's a shepherd that meant he understood the role of a shepherd. He understood what it meant to fight off attacks He understood what it meant to provide for his sheep. He understood what it meant to live and do life with the sheep and care for his sheep. A shepherd was reserved for usually one person in the family, the youngest male. It was a job nobody liked to do. It was smelly. It was dirty. And like I just said, the shepherd at sometimes also had to go and live with the sheep as they're out in certain fields away from home, possibly. So it's this job that nobody likes. It's reserved for the lowest of the lows. But yet, David knew exactly what it meant to be a shepherd. And this psalm is one that a lot of times we share during, more than likely, a a loss, a funeral. Two weeks ago, I, I was doing a memorial service, and this is the psalm that I read and I talked from. It's a psalm that a lot of times brings us hope. It brings us comfort. In times of trouble, it reminds us that we have a shepherd to walk with. But what if, what if when we understood this psalm, we understood that this psalm is not just a psalm that can bring us future hope or bring us future comfort, but rather it's a, is a psalm that does that right here, right now in the present tense. We have to understand that the tone of this psalm and the way this psalm is written is written in the present tense, And we can take comfort knowing that God is here with us directly in every single thing that we're going through. If you brought your Bible with you, I want to encourage you, uh, Psalm 23, we're going to kind of dig in. It's six verses long. We're going to go through the first three right now. So if you would just open up to Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they comfort me. It's very interesting that God the God of all creation, the God who is the creator of all things, God himself, would identify with being a lowly shepherd. It's very intriguing that when we start to think about that, that God would identify with a role, an occupation, that is known to be reserved for the lowest of the lows. That is dirty. That is not one that is highly exalted or praised. God would identify with being a shepherd. And what's even more intriguing is that as he does this, it's an active choice. God chooses to be our shepherd. He chooses to be the one who leads us, who guides us. He chooses to be the one to come down to be with us. He chooses to be among us. In John chapter 1, we remember that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And as it continues on in John, it talks about how God put on flesh and bones and dwelt among us. The message translation says, God moved into the neighborhood. That's an awesome. Awesome image to see God of the universe moving into our neighborhood to do life with us. That means he wants to be messy in our life. He wants to get messy. He wants to be in the the dirt, in the tangles of life. He doesn't want to just be this far off God who we talk to. He wants to be someone who is actively with us, walking with us. And in Psalm, David in these first few verses talks about how the shepherd provides all that we need. The sheep may not know when it needs rest, may not know even when it needs water or food, but the shepherd does. And it leads It leads them to green pastures. It leads them to waters, and it leads them to a place where they can rest. Why? Because sheep, just like us, need a shepherd who knows, leads, and brings them to it. We need a shepherd who brings us rest, who brings us to our spiritual food, who brings us to our spiritual Water, living water, that is found in him. Philip Keller writes um, in his book, it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And this is what he says. This is going to bug me. Hang on. This is what it says in his book. It's a book that is directly looking at this text. And this is what he writes. Sheep do not lie down easily. And they will not actually unless there are four conditions that are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there's tension among them. If flies and parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. And finally, the last one, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. Those four things. Basically what he is saying, and this is how he says it, rest comes... Rest comes for the sheep because the shepherd has dealt with their fear, their friction, their flies, and the famine they may face in life. Is this not exactly what Christ does for us? That Christ deals with our fear in life, our frictions in life, our, the flies that bug us and pester us in life, and the famine that we have in life. And by doing so, it leads to a soul that is restored. That's when they can rest. The Hebrew word for rest is also the same word that is used in the Old Testament as repentance. So not only rest, but our soul can find repentance and healing in the presence of the shepherd. Our shepherd leads us to what we need. Our shepherd knows exactly where to take us and when to take us there. But for many of us in our culture and our world today, we have replaced our good shepherd with the things of the world the things that are guiding us are not our shepherd, they may be something different. It may be the latest blog posts. It may be the latest social media or or media or it may be the circles we hang out with. Ultimately, that question still is at the core of it all. What is guiding you in life? What is guiding you? Because we're going to face things in life that is not fun. We're going to face things in life that is hard. And David writes about that. Verse 4, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. You are close beside me. Your rod, your staff, they protect me. They comfort me. See, the valley... When we think of these valleys, we think of this between two big old mountains and down in the valley is all this beautiful flowers and it's nice and green. But if I actually had a screen to show us what the valley looked like that David would be in, it would be the complete opposite of that. We would look at a valley and we would see a lot of dust still with a few plants here and there. That's a green pasture for them in that time. This would be like heaven on earth back in the day of David right here. And if you're in a valley, here's what's even more intriguing. When a storm comes into the valley, it doesn't just pass through like it would, say, here. The storm would actually bounce from one side to another side to the other side and eventually make its way out. But have you ever been in a valley when a storm comes in? and you can literally see the wind swirling around as it bounces from one side to the other to the other? Have you ever been in a, a valley where you feel like the things of this world are just coming at you from all sides, that every single way you look, your world is crumbling? Have you been in a valley where the storms of life are so potent, so destructive, that you feel like it's never leaving and you can't escape it? And here's the other reality is that as a shepherd in a valley... The enemy can surround you. The enemy of your sheep can surround you from all sides. You're at the the lowest point. You don't have the high ground. In a war, the valley is one of the worst places to be. Your enemy can surround you, you're open and you're vulnerable to all the attacks. But when you look at what David says in this exact verse, we have to understand that he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is very important for us to understand. It's the shadow of death. The ultimate destruction would be death itself. But David isn't walking in the midst of death itself, it's the shadow of death. That's interesting. Because even in the shadow of death, he has comfort knowing that he has a shepherd with him. And it says he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. This is not a final destination. He's not setting up camp here. He's just passing through. And as he passes through, the good shepherd walks with him. The good shepherd leads him through the valley. He's also speaking, David is speaking in a moment that I think we can relate to. When we feel the shadow of a certain job loss and hardships are facing us, we feel like the storms are swirling. When we feel like the shadow of broken relationships are staring us directly in the face, we start to hear the wind swirling all around us. When we feel the shadow of hurting hearts longing for answers where doubt has crept in, we feel like we are in the deepest valley. We can face the shadow of death, though, because Christ himself took on the fullness of death so that we don't have to. We only face the shadow. Christ already took on death itself. And when we remind ourselves of that, when we remember that to the core and in our hearts, we can take comfort knowing that our God has gone before us. And the shepherd's presence here, it doesn't eliminate the presence of evil itself. Rather, it eliminates the fear of evil. As he was talking about, David said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I I don't have to fear because you are with me. As we look at the face and the shadows in this world, we don't have fear because our shepherd, the good shepherd is with us. He guides us. He guides us and he wants to guide us. When we tune our ear and our hearts to the shepherd's voice, we can be guided to water, to green pastures, to rest. And I love how David ends this psalm, verses five and six. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. David is still in the valley. David hasn't exited the valley. He's not out of the shadow of death yet. But he says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. He's still in the valley. The battle is surrounding him. The hardships are all around him. But yet, God prepares a feast for him in the presence of his enemies. It's a table that God provides yet with the enemy closely behind him. And he not only can provide, God not only provides in this moment, but he protects in the same moment. A vulnerable moment where God is providing a feast, he's also protecting his sheep. And we can feast in God's presence knowing he provides. And it gives us perfect security. The image is incredible when we start to break it down though. Table. Back in those days, If you would invite somebody over to your house, you would provide a big feast. So the table represents a feast. You can imagine the greatest spread. You can imagine the greatest food, everything. It's bountiful. It's not just like we're having chicken nuggets for dinner, we're having the best of the best hot dogs for dinner. You know what I'm saying? It is, it is the best of the best. And God prepares. It says he prepares. That means that there's foresight. God can see ahead of us. He's providing ahead of us. There's foresight and care to provide for us what we need. And it says that he prepares it before me. This is a personal connection. This is a connection that is personal, personal and intimate with each and every one of us. And so the psalm ends with an assurance. The assurance that we will dwell in his presence, both here, now, currently, and in the future as well. So whatever shadows may be facing us, we dwell in his presence. And we can take comfort knowing that God is our shepherd guiding us and leading us. I'm thankful that we have a shepherd. I'm I'm thankful that we have a shepherd that leads us and guides us and cares for us. I'm thankful that our shepherd can navigate the things of this life. I'm thankful that our shepherd can run after us as we run into a creek or a stream nearby or down into a cliff or whatever it might be. I'm thankful we have a shepherd who cares enough for us. And so maybe you've been feeling, uh, I want to invite actually the whole, just the whole band come on up. And maybe for some of us, we've been feeling like we're in a valley. I know I've been there. I know I've been in a place where I feel like the world doesn't seem to give me a break to even breathe. That everything in my life was falling apart. I know I felt like maybe the storms of life are following one after another, after another, after another, and they're just intensifying. I know I felt like I could hear the wind swirling all around me and never breaking. I can feel like the valley that surrounded me, feel as if there was no place to escape, no place to go, no place to find refuge, no hope even. But then I'm reminded. Then I'm reminded that I have a good shepherd. A shepherd that is presently with me in this journey. A shepherd that who is in the valley with me. A shepherd that the rod and his staff are protecting me from the the threats all around me. A shepherd who is leading me through the valley, not telling me to stay there. And so essentially I just have two questions that I want to invite you to reflect on this week. Number one is, What do you need to trust to God, the good shepherd, over yourself? What have you been holding on to and buying into rather than the good shepherd? What has been leading you and guiding you in your life rather than the good shepherd? And what things do you need to repent of that have been guiding you instead of him? I'd love to invite you to join us and stand with us. I'd love to just pray for us as we continue to worship and close our service today. Father, Father, you are a good, good God. And you remind us that you are also a good shepherd. A shepherd who cares for us, a shepherd who walks with us, a shepherd who leads us, protects us, and provides. And Father, I pray that during this time, you would just speak directly to us right now, Lord, during this song. As we reflect back on this passage, as we sing the song uh, in the lyrics, essentially this this verse by verse of this psalm, Lord, I ask that you would just resonate it deep within our hearts and our souls. Help us to keep you at the forefront of everything we do, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would allow us to trust you fully each and every day. We pray this in your name, the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.